And I have two readings. The first one is just going to be from Jeremiah chapter 3, please. And verse 15. Just the one verse. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let's read it again. And I will give you, the Lord said, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Will you go to the book of Ephesians now, in the New Testament? Ephesians chapter 4, please. And again, just a few verses. Verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, for these next few moments, we pray that you would not only help us to see how a minister should be, But Lord, you'd help us all to see how we all should be living before you, living in your sight. And Lord, help us to see Jesus. Above all things and before all things, may he have the preeminence this evening. And we pray, O God, that even if there's one has come that does not know him as their own Lord and personal Savior, while this is a night for the setting aside to the ordination of Aaron Wilkins, Lord, may this be an evening when someone would come to the foot of the old rugged cross, be born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Father, now I pray that you would speak to all our hearts and settle us not only in your presence, but settle us in our seats. Lord, that we may have a full attention unto thy word. Glorify your name. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Lord said in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, And I will give you pastors, notice, according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. The problem being that at the time there were those who were to be shepherds or pastors in Israel and in Judah. And they ended up leading the people wrong. And in fact, they led them into disaster. They led them away so far that God would send the enemy to teach them a lesson. And they were found away, carried away the northern kingdom of the house of Israel by Shalmaneser and the Assyrian army. And then 120 years later by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar and his army. Yet God knows his own. And God knows his own sheep. 
God never let them out of his sight. And he would then eventually draw back those from Judah who went into Babylonian captivity. And he said, there will come a time that I will give you pastors who will look after the flock. The pastors that will look after my sheep and they will feed you right and they will feed you on the word of God and they will lead you right. And so he says in Jeremiah 3 and 15, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart. See, the pastor or the leader should always have the heart of God on a situation. The pastor or the leader should always seek the will of God in a situation too. That he may have the very heart of God for that circumstance and for that time in which the people find themselves in. He says, and I, Yahweh, Almighty God, listen, he's speaking through the prophet. He says, I will give, note that down. I will give you pastors according to mine heart. Notice which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. The word pastors here in the Hebrew is a word ra'ah. And this is what it means. It gives the idea of one who tends the flock. A shepherd who tends and who feeds the flock which he has been left in charge over. It also means an herdsman who gathers and who keeps, who governs and who rules, who decides on the direction that the herd or the flock should take. Some weeks ago, Allison and I were in Dallas, Texas. And this tour guide brought us to a place where there were these long-horned steers. And they were made of bronze and they were a little bit bigger than the average, although they're big enough in real life. And I don't know how many, maybe 80 of them or so. And they were up around a, a hillside and some artists had, had done them and there was a cowboy sitting on his horse. He was the boss overlooking the herd. And then there were those in bronze and there they were, one on each side and they were herding the herd. It was called the Chisholm Trail. I'm sure you've heard the name Chisholm before. John, we enacted one of them. And do you know there was uh, times 3,000 head of long-horned cattle, the steers. They were driven 1,000 miles up towards uh, Wichita in Kansas. And it took them two months, two months to be able to steer them right, to lead them to places of water and to lead them to places for feeding. And they shepherded them the whole way up. I was thinking about this at times when we were just getting a few photographs and I was thinking of the shepherding of it. I was thinking how a shepherd is to look after a herdsman. As the Lord said, I'll give you men that when you're wandering astray and you don't know how to feed or where to feed, you know how to drink when you're thirsty or where to find the water. He says, I will give you men after mine own heart and they will feed you and they will take you to places where you will find rest for your soul. You'll find strength and you'll find help and you will find that they will have my heart for you. Friend, I want to tell you, even though 
as men, we fail many times as pastors. I want to tell you that our heart truly is to see the best for you and God. To see the best for each and every one of you. God says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart. It reminds me of 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. The prophet Samuel, he comes to Saul, who was the people's king over Israel. And he comes concerning David, God's choice. 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14. Listen to what Samuel says unto Saul. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him, a man after his own heart. Speaking of David, the psalmist. David, the sweet psalmist or singer of Israel. Speaking of David, the man who failed many times, yet God still used. Notice this. David was a shepherd of the sheep as a boy. And he learned much about shepherding sheep. He learned much about how to feed them, where to lead them. He learned how to bring them to pastures for them to drink. He learned when they were sick and how to minister unto them. And you see, pastoring takes time. It's one thing that when we're up here preaching and when we're studying the word of God, and it's one thing bringing the word, and it's one thing preaching the word here, But when we get into the nitty-gritty, the pastoring isn't in this part. The pastoring is among the sheep. The pastoring is the giving of yourself. And at times, it is a thankless task. Notice, David learned about this with the sheep. And now God said that the Lord hath sought him, a man after his own heart. David had a heart for God. Senses get into the ministry if you don't have a heart for God. If you don't have a heart for God and then a heart to try and show God onto the people, then it's senses going into the ministry. And it's senses going into the ministry in anything, whether it's in a pastoral sense here or whether it be in a leadership role or whether it be in any ministry in the church, whether it's children or teenagers, unless the Lord has called thee and placed thee in it. Notice here, David was not only a shepherd of the sheep, but now to be king in Israel, spiritual leader as the psalmist and the prophet of Israel, now we find he is to be the leader of the sheeple. You know what the sheeple is? The sheep people. These are the sheeple. And so he learned pastoral duties. One God sought him out. Two, God had called him to the ministry. Three, God anointed him for the job, for the task. Four, God gave him a heart after himself. In Acts chapter 3, Paul in Antioch takes this. In Acts chapter, pardon me, 13, And verse 22, and he's speaking here to those at Antioch, and he mentions David in the midst of it. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Notice what the the apostle says. It's to fulfill the will of the father, not to fulfill the will of the man. 
Sometimes my will, sometimes my will would be to say or do things that God would not will me to say or do. And I cannot step out and into that. God's will must be done. Shepherding sheep, it's like leading sometimes in the youth and the youth are running mad and you go, and you want to blow up. <laughs> Let me put it like that. Yet you have to keep your father's will. Children's ministry. It's not just shepherding here. It's shepherding wherever. Keeping the ministry is keeping the Father's heart. And having the Father's heart will mean you will keep the ministry. Coming in to be a shepherd should not be something you can change jobs the next day. Some people don't like their job and they look for a different job. That's okay. But when you're called of God, whether it be a pastor on a pulpit here, and among the sheeple, or whether it be someone working with the youth or the children or the singing or the playing or wherever it may be, if God hath called thee to the ministry, then you cannot just drop it and let it go. You must seek leave of your father because he's the one, his heart, his will for those people. Being a pastor isn't something you can just up sticks and go. Being a pastor isn't something you say, I give up and I'm going to get a job driving a van. Oh, I've said it. I said it every Monday. (laughs) Hard enough. I said every Monday. That's it. I'm not going back. And it's nothing to do with you. It's to do with me. The pressures, the spiritual pressures, all come upon the pastor and his wife and the family. And it's at those times when he needs to realize it's the call of God, it's the will of your Father, and it's not about yourself. should be like that for every ministry in the church. Notice God doesn't say, I have found David a perfect man who gets it right every time. Nobody says, I have found David a man after my own heart. When we seek after the heart of God, when you, brother, and you, sister, seek after the heart of God, you know what you'll find? You'll find as you seek after his heart, then everything else, even to love your enemies, everything else will be easier because it's not about you. It's always about him. It's always about him. So in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, the Lord says, And I will give you pastors according to mine own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, the word knowledge here is the word dea. And it simply means he'll feed you with the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge of the denominational line. He won't feed you with the knowledge of his own understanding or thinking. He will feed you the knowledge of God. The idea is he will tell you always in all things, He will tell you about me, he says. Whatever's in your life, brother, sister, whatever's in your home, whatever's in your marriage, whatever's in your family, whatever the problem is, and you come to the pastor, please don't expect him to say that's okay when it isn't and it's against the word of God. The pastor must always point you to what the scripture says and then leave that with you and you with it. That is what pastors do. And so pastors are disliked for it. 
Notice this, he will tell you about the Lord and the way out or how to fix it, if possible. He says he will feed you or he will give you the knowledge of God. Knowledge not only about God, but listen, the revelation of God. You know, there's men who come up and tell you reams of scripture and they can fit it all together, but they need to seek his will, have his heart according to his word that they may give you the revelation of him. It's revelation that happens in a church. It's not about, well, let's just read the word and that's it finished. And let's just read you a story and let's just give you an example. Friend, brother, sister, it is the word of God that the pastor must always, pastor must always bring you the revelation of who Christ is because all other things must pale into insignificance. The knowledge of God means from the heart of God and he must unravel, unwrap as the spirit of God gives him the knowledge. He must unwrap the mysteries of God found in the word. So he will feed knowledge and understanding. Understanding simply means this. He will turn your mind. Change your mind. In other words, if you're in the problem and you're in the middle of the storm and you're in the middle of the situation, the pastor's job to the best of his ability is to go in with the Father's heart, the revelation of God for you, to turn your mind off the storm and onto him. To turn your mind and repent your mind back to Christ that in everything you'll see the victory that is in Christ. To turn your mind to Christ through the word, to obedience, and to make you wise unto God. So in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, the Lord says, I will give you. Now note that, that's very, very important. The Lord, God Almighty said, the Lord, he is Yahweh. The Lord, the maker, the creator of heavens and the earth and all that is in them. He says, I will give you. You note that. Because in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gave some. Are you getting the connection yet? And he gave some. People are saying Christ is only a prophet. People say Christ isn't even a prophet. He's only a man. And there's more and more coming in to the church that was, I'll put it in brackets, the evangelical church, who are now denying the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. More and more of them. Oh, he was just a lamb, sacrifice, perfect man, but he was not perfect God. He was just a lamb, sacrifice, a man who was to be the sin bearer. Yes, he was pure, but he was only God's lamb. No, friend, let me tell you something. He was almighty God clothed and veiled in flesh. He says, I will give you pastors. And in Ephesians 4, 11 says, and he gave some pastors. He gave it. So when looking at this, Ephesians 4, 
And verse 11 says this, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Five of them are mentioned. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 10, we won't look at, read it, there are what's known as the nine spiritual gifts or the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they are these from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, divers kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now these gifts of the Spirit are for the body of Christ. It's for you to seek out. For you to seek. But the five offices or the gifts that are given in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Notice apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're known as ascension gifts. Ascension. The ascending Lord, the risen Christ. He gave some apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers. The best way that you can remember that, some people call us as known as the hand of God in the body of Christ. How do you mean? Apostle. The apostle, the one who seeks out and builds the church, goes and lifts the church and builds the church, and then we go on and build another one. That's just part of it. We don't want to go into all this teaching. In fact, the teaching in all of these would be really good someday. Apostles, the strengths like the thumb on the hand. Apostles, here's how you remember it. Prophets. You know what the prophet is? Points the finger. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. The evangelist is the middle finger. Reaches out. The evangelist is reaching out. Think of the boys who were out on Saturday, going out this week again on Thursday, Glenn, is that right? Tuesday and Saturday. Evangelizing, reaching out. The pastor is the finger here that compliments the rest. And then the, te- the teacher is like the little finger, the hand of God and the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. If a pastor still exists, how come people say the rest of them don't? You can't have one and not the other four. Notice this. That's a study for another night, okay? Notice this. The word pastor, the fourth one mentioned here. The fourth one is the word poimen. Poimen. And it means, you ready, a shepherd, one who tends or herds the flock. Exact same. 17 times it relates to the word shepherd in the New Testament. And one time, this is the only time the word pastor is used for it. And that, those ascension gifts that were given by the ascending Christ, they're known as the nine, 1 Corinthians 12, eight, verses 8 to 10, are the nine spiritual gifts given to the church. But the ascending Christ gave apostles uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he gave that. The ascending Christ gave that. And they are known as man gifts. So a pastor is a man gift from God. 
And Afonso saying, your church is a man gift from God. Teacher of the word is a man gift from God. Prophet in your church is a man gift from God. And apostle in the church is a man gift from God. The five offices are what's known as the five-fold ministry gifts to the ecclesia, the called out church. Pastor being the fourth one mentioned. There are three points now, we know it's all five working in the church, but we're looking at pastor. The pastor tonight is the title. Notice the three points that we must emphasize here. What is it for? Verse 12, Ephesians 4 and verse 12. Let me just get a drink while you're looking that up. One, for the perfecting of the saints. Two, for the work of the ministry. Three, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There's the three points that this five-fold ministry is for in the church. It is so that, one, you might come into a place of, it means perfection is complete furnishing, prepared fully. What for? For the coming of Christ. Did you hear that, church? We are in this, in the ministry Because the Lord has placed us to bring you on to further perfection, that is, that you may grow in the ministry, that you may grow in your faith, that you may be encouraged and learn in the word. Why? For the perfecting of the saints because of the coming of Christ. See, when Jesus comes, Jesus comes, people think, we're all just going to waft away. Brothers and sisters, the word doesn't tell us that. I'll tell you what's going to happen. When Christ comes, there's going to be a seat to stand before. It's called the Bema seat. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. We're all given account unto God, and it's our job. Why do you think the pastor's always on the phone to you? Or why do you think I'd send you the messages? Are you all right? I haven't seen you. You go, my goodness, I've only missed this morning. Or this week, or that. Why do you think I'm always on with you? Why do you think I'm always at you? Are you all right? I didn't see you out. Do you think it's just for the sake of getting another seat filled? No. It's to see you, to make sure you're okay, to go and grow in God, that you may be encouraged in him. Notice this. Notice. The perfecting of the saints, secondly, for the working of the ministry. The idea here is that the ministry of the church, the actual spiritual working of the church would be enhanced by the fivefold ministry. And moving on quickly for the edifying of the body. Edifying is really to build you up. To build you up. Now, saints, it's easy to blame the pastor when you're not feeling too built up and he's done his best. It's easy to blame the pastor because if the pastor has led you and helped you and tried, then there's only so much he can do. Notice what Ephesians 4 and 13, four goals then of the five-fold ministry, four goals. It's till we all come in the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith. These, this five-fold ministry should bring us all into unity where we are serving the same God, loving the same Christ, and have the same vision. Notice, secondly, second goal is, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. What was it the Lord says? They, he, uh, uh, pardon me, Jeremiah said, the Lord through him, 
that he would give pastors according to his own heart. What for? To give to feed us on knowledge and understanding. So the knowledge of the Son of God. Three, thirdly, that you may come into a, pa- a perfect man or a mature Christian. The best blessing for a pastor is, I think it's maybe secondarily after seeing someone being saved, is to see them going on in God. There's nothing encourages me more than to see a man or a woman grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. People say, Pastor, we want to encourage you. What about if I bought you something? Don't need to buy me something. I want to see you go on in God. That's the biggest encouragement for any pastor. And fourthly, the fourth goal of the fivefold ministry is that we come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that you may know who you are in Christ. And as we were on this morning, that you would defeat the devil in your life and walk in all that he's given to us. Here's some points as we start rounding this up this evening. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Listen to what we're told. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. I think that's telling me Jesus was God. What do you think? To feed the church of God with his own blood? Sure the great eternal spirit, our heavenly father, hasn't got blood. No, but his son did. And he shed his blood that you might be saved. He went to Calvary and he took the nails in his hands and his feet. He took the whipping post. He took the crown of thorns on his brow. Why? That you and I would not be lost. That you and I would be saved, born again of his spirit and washed in the blood, ready and prepared and into, into a place where you'll hear his word, where you'll be fed with knowledge and understanding of the revelation of God in Christ and who you are in him, growing up in the faith and in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? Are you saved? Are you saved? I want you to get it. I want you to ask yourself, am I really saved? Have I been born again? Have I been to Calvary? Have I been to the cross? Have I been under the blood? Am I trusting in Jesus only and Jesus alone, solely, uniquely, totally, and completely that he alone has paid the debt of my sin? Have I been and have I repented? Have I had a change of mind in the way I lived? A change of mind in the things I did. Change of mind in the way I thought. Have I done a turnaround in life? Am I saved? I didn't ask you, were you, as it were, christened as they call it into a church body? That's not salvation. Didn't ask you, were you doing good works? Didn't ask you how many times you've been to church. I've asked you, are you saved? Are you blood washed? Because if you're not saved, none of this will apply to you. But if you're not saved and you want to be saved, then tonight all of this can apply to you. Where God will give you shepherds after his heart that he might bring you to glory.
that you might enter his heaven. So for pastors, for all leaders, that's just not pastors, but for all leaders, take heed to yourselves. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now listen, this is for the church then, okay? This is for the sheeple. The sheep people. This is for you. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. As they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For, what, for that is unprofitable for you. Aaron Wilkins tonight you're being brought out. Called into the ministry by God. And you're being brought out as a pastor here in CET, Christ Encounters Tabernacle. You will give an account for the souls of men and women that you bring the word to. I will give an account. That's why we must have the heart of the Father and do the will of the Father according to the will word of the Father. And that day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's not the great white throne judgment now for the unsaved. And then there's the lake of fire. That's not that one. It is the bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ is where every one of us will give an account unto God for our walk with him and our service and our faithfulness to Christ. And there we will save reward or loss. Let me just be a little somber here, Christian. And I'm doing this because I love you. How will you fare? How will you fare? Is there things you could do better? Is there somewhere in your life you could allow the Holy Spirit to help you get rid of in grace and in the mercy of God? Is there something in your life you need to stop doing or something in your life you need to lay down? Because on that day, we will all stand before God. But Aaron Wilkins, Ken Davidson, every teacher, every leader, every Sunday school teacher, right the whole way down the chain, we will all give an account of what we have told our children and what we have told this congregation and all who listen. That is a burden I'm always conscious of. Some people will get up and willy-nilly tell you a wee Tom, Dick and Harry story and let your soul starve. Some will tell you something just to tickle your ears. I'm not prepared to do that, brothers and sisters, because I will stand before God and I will give an account. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. He says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Then he tells us, Aaron, Neither being lords over God's heritage. This pulpit, this place is not the Lord 
over people, but rather to be an example to the flock. The word example is a word to pass. Listen to what it means, a pattern, an example. Gives the idea of an impression. In fact, the word gives the idea someone who has struck a blow. Now, hold on, what does that mean? Be an example to strike a blow. Gives the idea that every pastor, every Christian leader, every one of us should show by our living and our lifestyle, by our walk with Christ, our preaching and our guidance, our counsel, etc., that Christ has struck a blow in us. That Christ has struck a blow in your life, Christian. It goes right down to every Christian, right through every one of us in our personal lives. That Christ hath made such an impression on us that we are to show that impression unto others. As pastors unto the flock. What impression are you giving people? What impression are you giving So here's things that I'm going to tell you about the pastor. And I have borrowed this from a pastor, Carrie Schmidt. You can write these down or you can listen to it later. Here's things for you to remember, church. And there's 20 of them, but they're only little lines, so don't panic. Give me a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes. First of all, he loves God and he loves you a lot as his sheep. Be mindful of that. Secondly, he is painfully, he is a painfully limited human being. So church, be realistic. Thirdly, he probably has a pretty low view of his performance. Every Monday morning, I give up. I'm speaking like a pawn loaf, you know. He probably has a pretty low view of his performance. Be kind. Four, he wishes he were a better preacher every Monday morning. So be awake. (laughs) Five, he really does want God's best for you and your family. So please, be open-hearted. Six, his work knows no time or location boundaries. Be patient. Seven, he hears much more negative information than positive. Be encouraging. Eight, he has chosen a vocation in which few remain. So be praying. Nine, he has chosen a highly leadership intensive call. So be leadable. Ten, he needs help. Be available. Eleven, his God-given vision is bigger than himself and the church, so be filled with faith, church. Twelve, he wants to personally meet all the needs, but knows he can't. Be understanding. Thirteen, He's going to say dumb things every now and then. (laughs) Like this morning. 
There was a big blonde somewhere. <laughs> and she should have been dark-haired. He's going to say dumb things every now and then. Be forgiving. 14, his family is patient with you, so be patient with them. Be conscientious of them. 15, he's greatly encouraged by your faithfulness. So be there. 16, he's passionate for God's word to be made practical to you. So be hungry. 17, he longs for church to be your spiritual oasis. So be loving. 18, he dreams for you and your family's spiritual health. So be receptive. 19, he needs to hear that you prayed for him. Be interceding. And 20, he's just a regular guy. So be real. Be real. May God bless his word to all of our hearts. And